back there with Pastor Lynn. So, kind of running out here. Oh my gosh. So anyway, hi. How you guys doing? Yay. Glad to see you guys. Hey, we started a brand new series uh, last week called Hidden. The idea behind it is, hey, we're so proud of our stuff, right? We show off our rings. We show off our cars. We're, we're so proud of those things. And we just let everybody know about all our new stuff. But when it comes to sharing our faith, when it comes to telling people um, about this life-transforming truth, which is Jesus loved us, died on a cross for our sins so that we could uh, bridge the gap between God and mankind, go to heaven with him someday, that when it comes to that, we, we get silent. We get quiet. We don't, we don't say anything. And that's a problem. In fact, if the prognosis of the church, if I can make a prognosis of the church, if scripture can make a prognosis of the church, it's, it's not good. Um, last year, I, uh, I went to the doctor because I had a pretty bad infection in my foot. And um, the doctor looks at me and says, Jeff, it's, it's not good. You have a staph infection. And, uh, okay, well, what are, what are my options, doctor? And he says, Here's, you got three options. Number one. Uh, you can cut that thing out of there. You can cut, cut the infection out. We're going to have to do an operation. Cut the infection out. Get rid of that bad stuff that's eating away at your flesh. Just get rid of it. Okay, what's the second one? The second one was you cut off your foot. Don't like that one. Uh, what's number three? Uh, number three is you die because you don't treat it. You just let it go into your bloodstream. and you're, It's already running up your leg. It's not, it's not good. So I'm like, well, let's operate. Let's get that bad stuff out of there. So that my foot can be fine. So that's what they did. That's why I'm standing here alive with a foot. Uh, because because I, I, I heeded to the advice of my doctor who is far more intelligent than I am. Okay, who, who knows way more than I do. I listened to my doctor and said, I gotta, get, I gotta fix this. And, and if this morning, if you and I listen to the instructions of scripture. Heed to the warnings and the callings of what scripture was, is to say. We will take this diagnosis, the prognosis, very seriously. We can move forward in health. Move forward in the light, in the way that God told us and called us to be. Um, if we don't, it, it doesn't just affect us. It doesn't just affect us in our relationship with God. It will affect that. But what else happens is it affects millions of other people who will never hear the name of Jesus Christ because the church won't shine. The church stays hidden. We hide that message. So it's not just about us. It's not that we're going to have harm done to us, but millions of other people as a result of us not doing anything and not saying anything will not hear about the name of Jesus and they will be living in eternal darkness forever, scriptures say. And I hope this morning, I hope as you sit here, you're, as we're going to say things, the scripture is going to communicate things to you, you're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel convicted. I pray that you feel convicted. I, I, and you're going to feel guilty at times. And, and people are going to pop into your mind. People who have, you have not shined out from. People who you've neglected to do this with. Don't push that under the carpet. Don't make excuses for that this morning. Take it on. Feel it out. Allow yourself to be convicted this morning. Allow yourself to wrestle with this truth. Please. And I believe as we do this and as we listen to scripture and respond to it in obedience, that we can be healthy. We can be the way that God intended us to be because the honest truth is the prognosis is bad. That we are not being a light to this world. Let's pray. Lord God, I love you so much. And God, we come to you today and we realize that 
that we've missed the mark when it comes to sharing our faith and living out loud. God, we, we've tried to do it on our own. We've come up with excuses. We've, we can, we're lazy. And, and God, would you give us the strength and the wisdom to hear what your word says and not just to hear it, but to apply it into our lives so that we can be everything you called your bride to be, everything you called our, uh, the, us, the church, the believers in you to be, God, that we would listen to your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, let's head to uh, Matthew 5. Matthew 5, we were there last week. I'll give you a little background. Matthew 5, uh, is, it starts off as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount uh, was traditionally known as kind of like it was, it was a full-on teaching. But really what they believe is it was a bunch of Jesus' teaching, kind of his best of talks. Jesus' best stuff uh, is in the Sermon of the Mount. And the interesting thing about the Sermon on the Mount is, and about teaching, is that rabbis, when rabbis would teach, they would stand up. And they would communicate, and they would talk, and they would give you, you know, different things, and they would tell you stuff. But the moment that a rabbi would sit down, was, it was indicative. It, what it said was to the congregation, this is very important what I'm about to tell you. So when a rabbi would sit down, he would teach the most profound points, the most important points, sitting down. So that his audience would relate, this is important. This is a big deal. And in Matthew 5, 1, we read this. One day as the crowds were gathering, Jesus went up to the mountainside with the disciples and sat down to teach them. Jesus goes on the mountainside, away from the people, takes his inner circle of disciples who he has had the most influence on, and he sits down. And in that moment, the disciples realize what he is about to say is important because Jesus taught a lot of stuff that was very important but when he sits down with the disciples his posture is telling them I need you to check this out this is not just some other teaching this is core this is what it's all about this is most important so let's pick it up in verse 14 uh, we read this last week but I really wanted to dive into it today and give you a little bit more so verse 14 says this you those of you who believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have made a commitment to follow him. You are a light of the world, like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under a basket. Do not do this. Don't. But here's the other option. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all. In the same way... Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Not that they'll praise you and go, oh, you're such a good person. You do such great stuff. No. The reason why we live our lives out, the reason why we shine is because we want to direct them to our heavenly Father. So that they would come and understand him as their Savior, not to give us glory or honor or any of those things. See, Jesus is saying to the disciples, listen, you used to be a fisherman, you used to be tax collectors, hold on, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world like a city on a hill. See, in Jewish times, the word light there, the word light is pharos, and the word has a couple different meanings. The, the number, word, number one meaning is, it's just like a regular light. 
but, but then they had these clay pots, and it had oil in it, and they would stick a wick in it, okay? And then they would light it. But they didn't have Zippos back in the day. They weren't like, you know, lighting it up like that, okay? It was actually very difficult to light, and so they cherished that light. And so much to the point is that they, when they left the house, they, didn't want, they couldn't relight it, and so they would put it under a basket to protect it from burning down the house. Now, the houses in that time were very small, and they only had an 18-inch round window, so not much light got in. So when they would unleash that basket and put that light up on a stand, it would illuminate the room, bringing comfort to those who walked in, right? How many of you, when you get home, you turn on the lights and all of a sudden you're like, oh good, there's not a robber in here, right? There's not a boogeyman or something, right? It makes you feel good. Your kids, when they turn on the light to their bedroom or their closet, it's, oh good, it's okay. It's a comforting thing. But the other part of pharos, the Greek word pharos, which means light, is do you remember when the shepherds are sitting on the hill and, and then the angels of the Lord come around them to tell them, that Jesus is being born in Bethlehem. Do you remember that? And do you remember their reaction was that they were afraid? Do you remember that it was so overwhelming that they were like, whoa, what is happening? What is going on? What is this all about? Because it was so bright. It was so overwhelming. The other use of pharos is that. It's that overwhelming, awe-inspiring, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. I've never seen that. I've never seen anything like this. In fact, I'm actually kind of afraid. That is us in this world. That we would shine to bring comfort. We would shine our lives so they would see Jesus. But in the moment that we would be so awe-inspiring with our lives that people would question where it came from and what it was all about. That is what we are called to do. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have made a commitment to follow him, that is who we are. That is what we've been called to be. That doesn't mean that's what we're doing. Because the prognosis is bad. And the church isn't doing this for the most part. We're not really living this light out. We're really kind of keeping it hidden. You know, it's, it's like going up to somebody and saying, hey, who are you? And them going, I'm a dad. Really? You're a dad? Yeah. So what do you do with your kids? Nothing. They're brats. I hate them. What? Are you serious? Yeah. But I'm a dad. I'm a dad. Do you spend any time? Nope. Don't spend a single time. They're terrible. I don't want to be, right? What are you? I'm a wife. Really? Oh, that's cool. How long have you and your husband together? I don't know. I don't even like him. I think he's terrible. He's a wretched person. I never talk to him, right? But I'm a wife. It's the same kind of thing. We're a light. We've been called to be a light. We have the title but we're not doing it. We're not becoming this. Well, this is not who we are. But we have the title. This is who God said we were. It doesn't mean we're doing it. And so the question on my heart is this. Why? Why? Why are we not excited about this? Why are we not doing this in our lives? How is it that we have the life-transforming truth of Christ and his death on the cross. And we know what, it likes to be, uh, know what it's like to be in the dark. And now made that commitment to Christ and we know what that feels like afterwards. Why is it that we don't tell people that? Talk about it and be about it. Why? I think it's because of fear. 
I think we're so afraid. We just, we make excuses. Well, what if they reject me? And they may. Well, what if, they, they, what if I don't say the right thing, right, Jeff? I'm not some theologian. I'm not some a professional Christian like you are, right? I don't get paid to read my Bible, right? That's not true. <laughs> right? I'm not, I, I don't have, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do, right? And, and so we never do it because we're always making excuses and, and we're so afraid. And Guys, do you remember asking your first girl out? Do you remember? You were like sweating in places that you never knew existed, right? You're like, really? Sweat comes there? Wow, okay. Right? And, and, and you walked up to them and just eyes straight down at the ground. Never make eye contact, right? We never did. It was just, so, um, your face is awesome. Um, toes look pretty cool. I... Uh, you want to take me on a, I mean, I'll take you on a date if, you, I mean, you kind of want to or whatever. I'll pick you up on my car, I mean, my bike, you know, I, right? It was just like, oh, it's so painstaking. I was, we were so afraid and what were we, right? But we did it. We did it because we believed if we were to take the risk, we might just get a hottie, okay? We just might get a good looking girl to go out with us and then we could go, ah, right? How is it? That we can ask, that we can take that risk with a girl. But yet we won't take the risk because of fear to tell people about Jesus. Something that can take a person from living in darkness to seeing the light to finding their identity in Christ. What is it about us that doesn't do that? But yet we'll take the risk to go to ask a girl out. This is such a bigger deal. I think some of us aren't sure if we even believe it, right? You may kind of made a commitment. Maybe you made a commitment when you were younger, when you were five or six, and, right? And you've never done anything with it. And so at the end of the day, you're saying, I don't even know if I believe this. Why would I tell somebody about this? I'm not even sure myself. Jesus coming from heaven down to earth and dying on a cross for mankind, rising again and then ascending into heaven. Um, I don't know if I believe that. You can't date a girl and never call them, and never take them out, and expect to just know their world, know what they're all about. She never talks to, she never wants anything. I don't really understand her. I really don't get her. She's cute, but man, I don't really get her. You can't have a relationship with Jesus Christ if you're not getting to know him. So if this is you, get plugged in here. Start reading your Bible. Get to know Jesus. Get to know his story. Start obeying scripture. Start praying. Start going to the mine on Tuesday and learning about scripture. You might just need to accept Christ in your life if this is you. Some of us just want to stay status quo. You know what? I don't, want to, I don't want to offend anybody. I just want to kind of be like everybody else. You don't know how awkward it would be to tell the guys at work that I love Jesus. That would be so weird. So I'm just going to stay status quo. I'm just going to be like everybody else and do what everybody else does. I don't like the idea of sticking out like a sore thumb. Not my deal. But yes, that's what Jesus did. That's why 2,000 years ago, or 2,000 years later, we talk about him. That's why the Discovery Channel runs specials on him and the History Channel runs specials on him because they're trying to figure out Jesus and why he did what he did, why he was who he was, because Jesus came into a Jewish culture 
that was all about rules and regulations and traditions and you do this and you do this and you do this and it equals this. Jesus came in and said, no, it's none of that. Just go to the Father, follow the Father, obey the Father, live for the Father, come to the Father. And I'm Messiah. And he just blew people out of the water. They weren't sure if he was of Satan or if he was of God. If he was a drunk or if he was Messiah. He didn't know because he stood out. And people questioned, why is he that way? And in fact, in Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be like everybody else. Don't just fit in. Don't be just another face. That was not what you're called to be. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus stood out. And that's why we still talk about him. And that's why the world is still talking about him. And that's why the Bible is the number one selling book of all time every year. Because people still want to find out who this guy is that stuck out like a sore thumb. By the way, his his, his sticking out like a sore thumb killed him. They murdered him because of it. Let us not status quo laziness you know we get so caught up into the monotony of life our pda style lives everything is scheduled and we've got meetings and i've got to get the kids here and i've got to go there and i've got this and i got that so by the time we get home we're just so we just want me time right so all i want to do is sit in front of that glowing box and just veg and so the excuse of our life is i just didn't have time I was just so distracted doing everything else, I just didn't have time. And, and you know, if I was honest, I, I just, I need me time. I've been giving myself all day, I just, I don't want to do it. I just imagine if Jesus had that conversation with God, right? Hey God, uh, I've been healing people a whole bunch, this whole going to the cross and dying for mankind thing, I don't know if I'm down with it. I think I'd rather sit on the couch, watch the game, eat a bag of chips, right? I'll go heal some people later, but I just want to chill, right? No. Now, that wasn't Jesus. Without Jesus dying on the cross and making a commitment to follow through, we don't have salvation. And we're still sacrificing animals out in the courtyard here to appease an angry God. When Jesus came, he committed to following through, to not being selfish and not being lazy and as a result of that we can rejoice because now we have the opportunity to get to know him we have salvation as a result of him moving forward in that and see the the focus of our life should never be about us it's always about what can i do for them what can i do for someone else how can i help someone else so laziness never falls in line for the christian ever selfishness just selfish it's mine it's like a four-year-old it's mine i don't want to tell anybody it's mine self-righteous i think this is a big one in a church we get so caught up into this christian bubble we come to church every sunday morning we pray every day we read our bible we go to every bible study there possibly is we put a fish on the back of our car we wear christian t-shirts christian jeans wear a cross we listen to christian radio stations listen to christian cds eat christian cereal And we think that that's what it means to live for God. See, self-righteousness is everything that Jesus came to oppose. Jesus came into a culture that was all about do, 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 do. And he came in and said, nope, none of that matters. 
It matters to obey God. It'll matters to, it matters that you get connected in church, but it's not about any of that. What it's about is taking what you know and telling the world. And we get so caught up, some of us get so caught up into our Christian culture that we never want to go out and tell another person about Jesus because we're like, they might infiltrate me. They might get me to do bad things. No! So I will resist and be self-righteous. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, the self-righteous, you're whitewashed tombs you're dead inside because you've missed the point of the gospel which is to shine your light out for the world to see not throw it in a church building and put it out not saying going to church is bad not saying praying is bad reading your bible going to bible studies or even putting a fish on the back of your car i'm just saying don't let that define who you are who you are is a light that needs to go out in this world and shine. Disobedience. I call this the Jonah syndrome. Because Jonah is over here and, and God's like, Jonah, I got a great plan for you. What is it, God? I want you to go to the Ninevites. They're these heathen people. And tell them about me. Tell them about how amazing I am and how I want to save them. And Jonah goes, great plan. I'm not down with it. And so Jonah goes the exact opposite way of God, where God tells him to go and ends up in the belly of a whale. Because of disobedience. Have you ever been across the table of someone at work, anywhere, and they started telling you stuff and started talking and you felt in your heart that you needed to tell them about your story, that you needed to tell them about Jesus, and you didn't? Where does that feeling come that, that makes you feel like you need to? Where does that come from? And then what is the thing that stops you from telling that story, from shining out loud? Could it, could it be that God is convicting your heart to tell that person that God actually ordained that meeting with you and that person? And that because of the influence of Satan in your life, you did not say anything? Because that conviction was from God and you resisted it, that you actually gave in to what Satan wanted in that moment. Some of you sitting here today say, I've never been convicted to tell people about Jesus. I've never been convicted to tell my story. I've never been, can I just say, no one goes on an amazing vacation and doesn't come back and doesn't tell somebody about it. No guy goes golfing and shoots par and doesn't go home and tell his buddies about it. Nobody goes fishing and doesn't go home and lie about the size of the fish. Nobody does that. Nobody meets Jesus Christ and doesn't feel the urgency to tell somebody about it. Because if you don't feel that conviction, if you don't feel that desire to do that, you don't know Jesus. It doesn't mean you don't, that doesn't mean you can't know Jesus and we want you to know Jesus, but you, if you don't feel convicted to tell his story, to tell your story, you probably don't know Jesus. Ephesians 6, if you're going to go there with me, Ephesians 6. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we're in a fight that's so much bigger than us. And in fact, when we choose to do opposite of what the Holy Spirit convicts us to do, which is tell the story, to live out loud, to shine, when we do the opposite of that, we are giving Satan the glory instead of giving God the glory. 
Ephesians 6.10 says this, a final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits of the heavenly realm. The battle that you and I are in is a spiritual battle. We are in a battle against being a light in this world and not being a light in this world. Because when we, are in a, when we are a light in this world and we let our lives shine and our de- good deeds shine, we give God all the glory. And people will change as a result of us living our lives out that way. But when we choose to be lazy, when we choose to be status quo and to be fearful and to be disobedient, we give Satan the glory. And we just hide that light. We all know what that feels like. Those of us who are believers, you know what that feels like. You know what it feels like to not say anything. And scripture would say, don't, don't. So if that's the way we're not supposed to do it. Okay, Jeff, thanks for making me feel miserable. If that's the way we're not supposed to do it, because I I recognize that I do some of those things, then how do we do it? I think we go back to to Matthew 5 where where it talks about us being a light in this world. You are a light of the world like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. And to not hide our light. See, a light is to be seen. It's to be out there. It's never to be hidden. It just is what it is. I shine because that's what a light is. That's what we are called to be. We are called to illuminate in this world. We're not called to be like, right, like secret agents. Some of you are like, what is he doing? We are, we are not called to be secret agents. We are called to be seen in this world. We're not going to be hiding, go, come on and find me. No. We're going to be shining in this world for the world to see. We need to be seen. Uh, we are a, um, a guide to the world. You, you know, when an airplane comes in, there's those red lights that run, light up the runway that says, come, no, come, come this way. If you come this way, you're going to land safe. That we have the opportunity to do that in this world by the way we live our marriages out. Do you realize if we lived our marriages the way that the Bible called us to live our marriages, not one believer would get a divorce. And yet it is rampant in the church. We're no different than the world. But as we live out the principles that scripture talks about, we guide the world. This is how, see, we're not hypocrites. We do what the Bible says. And we're guiding this world in that. If, do you know if, if the church gave like Jesus called them to give? Do you know we could end world hunger, but because of our fear and because we don't live out the words of Scripture, we, we just hold back. And we live underneath that. See, the way we guide this world is by listening to Scripture, applying it to our lives, being like Jesus and shining our light so that the, when the world comes to us, we can say, I'm doing it. Check this out. Come this way. Come this way. Because I know what it's like to be in the dark. Um, Let me show you. Let me show you over here. Let me show you how I got to know Jesus. Um, We're to be a warning to the world. Do you know they put lighthouses on the edge uh, of, uh, of the shores? And the light would span out for miles to indicate to the sailors, beware. Beware of what's coming. And if you don't, you're gonna die. 
we have the opportunity by living our lives out loud for Jesus Christ and being a light in this world to do that for our, for our people, for our friends, for our family, for our coworkers, for our neighbors. We have that opportunity to go, no, you don't want to go that direction. I know what that feels like. You don't want to do that. Beware. And if you'll listen to me, I can show you the way back. I can show you the way to Jesus. I can show you what it means to have your identity in him. I can show you that. So as we live out this light, we are a warning to the world that says, beware. Beware if you, if you try to do it your way or you try to be good enough for God because it's not going to work. You need a relationship with Jesus. And we need to shine to this world. Because that's what we've been called to do. Do you, know what's, do you know what's interesting about a light? Right? A, a, light, a light doesn't make excuses, right? A light's not like, hey, listen, I'm so sorry I'm a light. This really stinks. I wish I wasn't a light. I wish I It doesn't make excuses, right? A light is not like, I am so sorry I'm so bright. I forgot to put the other bulb in that I meant to be not so bright. I apologize. No. A light is what it was called to be. And that is to shine in this world for all to see. But see, too often what we do is we go like this. And we just cover it up. We don't want anybody to see it. We don't want anybody to know. Right? It lets out a little bit, but not too much. Right? When really a light was just called to illuminate in the darkness. You know, there's two reactions to a light. One is just absolute hope. Oh, my gosh. A light. I was so scared. I was in the dark. I didn't know. And the other part is just terror. Even frustration. Get that thing out of my eyes. And in this world, we will get both. But we will never know. Some of you are feeling that right now, aren't you? Like, geez, when is he going to turn that thing off? Never. <laughs> that we have the opportunity to be this in the world, and we will get questions. But the fact of the matter is, is this is who we were called to be. And so we really don't have a choice because a light is what a light is. It doesn't make excuses. It doesn't apologize. It just is what it is because a light knows something that maybe you and I need to figure out. A light gets its source from the creator. And a very cool verse, a life-transforming verse, if you and I grab onto this verse, it's just going to blow us apart. So let's check it out. John 8, 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John 8, verse 12. Jesus said to the people, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. See, what was happening is there was a festival. It was like a festival, and they would bring down this big chandelier that was, was full of these candles that would illuminate Jerusalem. In the middle of that, Jesus stops, and he says, you, you think Jerusalem looks nice lit up? I'm the light of the world, baby. You, you sick of living in darkness? You sick of doing it your way? I'm the light of the world. 
And see, what Jesus does in this moment is he says, this is who I am. This is who I was created to be. And this is what I'm doing with my life. This is why I came to, from heaven to earth. And the same thing that I am, which is a light, I give it to you. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, you are the light of the world. Just as I am the light of the world. Today, you and I get the opportunity to take the commission that Jesus says, this is who I am, and you are to be my hands and feet in this world. Do you know how I healed the lepers? Do you know how I spent time with the sick? Do you know how I died on the cross? Do you know how I was a friend to the friendless? Do I love the ones who were unloved? You, as the church of Jesus Christ, get the opportunity to be that to our world. And when we choose to hide that light, we are choosing to hide the most high calling of our life. Everything and anything it means to be a follower of Jesus. That this morning we would catch on to the passage that Almighty God said He was the light. And He handed that off to us to be the hands and feet in this world. Would you join me to be the light of this world, to not back down, to not be lazy, to not be so self-absorbed and all about me and all about church, but to move forward, to tell this world about Jesus, to tell this world about hope, to tell this world about love. Because that is who our Jesus is. That's what Jesus wants from us.